All right, good evening, everybody. Um, first of all, thanks to our sponsors tonight, uh, Keycode Media, Keycode Education, Avid Periphery. Um, first off, we're done with the strike business, so everybody take a nice deep breath and let it out. Doesn't that feel nice? Uh, feels better with that out of the way. Um, so we're in Editor's Lounge, and today we're talking skills, education, storytelling, workflow, and whatever else might just pop up for editors. Let's uh, intro the panel. Uh, Lauren is the creative director of a female-founded full-service production and post-production house, Treasure Trove. Some of her credits include Love Island, America's American Idol, and Legendary. Randy Magalski, full disclosure, I've known Randy for years. <laughs> a lot of years. A lot of years. We won't say how long. Um, he's senior editor and colorist, um, working previously for the Post Group, Chainsaw, Encore, and now over at the Saw. Um, some of Randy's credits as an online editor include uh, Grammy Salute to the Beach Boys, the Oscars. You did eight, eight days a week, right? I did eight days yeah. a week for Ron Howard. For Ron Howard. And then Dexter. Next, back in the day. Back in the day. Awesome. And then last not but not, but not least, Michael, um, well-established in the editing of the unscripted television world since her credits on Top Chef, currently lead editor for RuPaul's Drag Race, All-Stars, and has an Emmy win for her work on the 2020 season. All right, it says we're going to roll promo videos here, but <laughs> nobody sent any. <laughs> Editors didn't send videos. Huh, weird. Yeah. I would have had notes, so <laughs> it makes sense. Um, all right, every superhero has an origin story. Let's talk about how you became a professional editor. Did you learn tools like Abbott on the job or in a classroom or videos online? Um, we'll go down the line and... Um, What's your origin story to becoming an editor? Start with you. Um, my, is this working? Hello? I didn't wear the appropriate attire my, for shoot, my- Shoot for the uh, other side. I just hold it too. Um, I, uh, my father was a wedding videographer and editor and um, always had the latest and greatest um, video cameras and everything since I was very little. So I started editing when I was about 12 years old for him. Um, went to film school. They did not have an Avid at our film school. That film school is now shut down, so. Um, <laughs> but uh, I had a professor that was incredible and she gave me a crash course on Avid right when I graduated. Got a job as an AE and then uh, was promoted to junior editor and just kind of took off from there. Awesome sauce. Thank you. Mandy, you're a good razor blades, right? I did, that was a long time ago, yes. Uh, I was working for the government access channel for the city of Santa Ana, the lowest rung of possible on the professional video ranks. And uh, when that ended in the late 80s, then I had an opportunity to go to Capitol Hill to uh, work for one of the, the parties. They each have their own uh, uh, big, expensive facilities that do government ads, uh, political ads. and. Uh, so I lied, and I said that I had worked on a specific switcher, which was brand new at the time, which, of course, I hadn't. And, but they were enamored with the fact that I had experience on this because nobody did. 
So this is pre-internet days, so I had to have the manual FedExed from Grass Valley down to my house that I read on the plane to Washington, D.C. to try to figure out how to, how to make it happen. So uh, I, you know, it's the classic fake it till you make it. And uh, fortunately, my faking skills were good enough. So that's really how I got started. That sounds great. <laughs> Lauren. Um, well, my origin stories are, uh, I wanted, actually, I never went to school. I didn't really even know about much about editing. I wanted to be a director. I had a camera, but I didn't know much about filmmaking and I got a job in production as a PA and when I got to kind of play in everyone's role, I kind of saw what everyone did and I was figuring out like where, where I could, what I could do. And I had an assistant editor, a lead assistant editor ask if I was interested in Avid. And um, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I had no idea really what that meant. <laughs> and. Uh, I was just willing to work 20 to 24 hours a day to figure it out. Um, he actually, that entire show, um, did such a good job at training me and it left me with wanting more so that when I continued on, somebody on one of my shows asked me to deliver a rough cut. Like, you know, you're a, you're a young AE, why don't you uh, get your teeth cut? So I spent probably 20 hours on cutting this rough cut for a scene. And uh, he expected a paper cut without shots. <laughs> and he was like, wow, you really, you really delivered. This was great. And he asked if I, interested, if I was interested in editing. So I was like, yes, with everything in my heart and soul, I am so interested. And um, then I went around the room and I literally pulled every editor there like, hey, how do I do this? Like, what do you think are the most important things that I can I could learn or know? And, um, you know, it's kind of why I love being an editor and why I love editors is everyone's been so generous with information. You just have to ask. Um, and that's led to, you know, kind of where I am today. But the imposter syndrome doesn't go away. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. I learned to cut on an RM440. Whoa. So I'll see. See, just a couple of them out there. Um, if we just why I'm in the chair today. Um, all right, let's get into um, skills. Um, obviously, being a good craft or a finishing editor, uh, it's going to help you succeed. Good part of it, I'd say. Um, what are the other skills, however, that have helped with your success that maybe didn't come from learning a piece of software or hardware. Um, what would you tell an assistant editor trying to become an editor today, an editor who's trying to become a lead? Let's talk soft skills. Lauren, start with you. Um, so many things. Ask a lot of questions. Ask every single question, write it all down, and then figure out like the system. You know, when I was younger, or when I was starting out, I would try to figure out, like, from turning on the machine to grouping, like, A, B, C, D, D, E, F, G. And so that's kind of the way I apply, I still apply my learning of anything, is, like, don't be too good to remember the fundamentals and how to incorporate them. Um, and don't be scared to ask questions, even if there's a 100. The other thing is don't be afraid to work really, 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 really hard. 
like overextend yourself. If you like something, go for it. What, what do you have to lose? Um, those are just basically the two things I have to say. I'll go cynical. <laughs> what? Identify the player, the baller around you. Don't waste your time on hitching your wagon to a, a wagon that's running in the same lane as you. You want to hitch your wagon to somebody who can drag you along with them further in your career. So uh, read the room, find out who, who are the up and comers that are just a little bit, not too far above you, but a little bit above you that you can ride their coattails. That would be my cynical view of, of how you can improve your lot in life. Okay. Michael. I don't know if mine is slightly opposite than that, but I'm just nice. Um, <laughs> um, and producers really like working with me in the Bay, so it helps to be talented, but it also helps to have a really great attitude. And so lights, our nights can be really long. You can be tired. Everybody's grumpy. Nobody likes network notes. It's just um, keeping a good attitude about it all. So I... I haven't had to actively look for a job in a very long time because I have producers coming to me because I'm fun. <laughs> and I would hazard to say that if there is a couch in your edit bay for clients, part of your job description is therapist. All right, um, we are sponsored by Keycode Education. Uh, they're a big advocate and provider of avid education among other systems. Can you tell me how you first experienced the use of Composer, or maybe Express, or Symphony, um, or MediaSuite Pro? Anyone remember that one? Too far back. Too far back. Yeah, just me. And you, how you learned how to use it? Was it school? Was it on the job? Classes? Did you learn, um, you know, with traditional methods, or watching as many videos as you could, drawing in from other people, um, or were you self-taught? That sort of stuff. Uh, and where do you spend your time learning new things now? We, we talked a little bit about this, you know, while other people were talking a little too loudly. We, we apologize. Randy, we'll start with you on that one. Uh, it used to be that it was hard to find the resources to better yourself. Now it's pretty easy. I can find any number of 13-year-old pimply-faced kids who are way smarter than I am on one specific angle or another. So I get to know who those people are. And, and I know, I mean, now my, my quest is more uh, resolve focused at the moment. Uh, uh, I feel pretty confident on, on Avid. And uh, so I tend, you, you look through a few tutorials and you get to know who are the ones that are A, respectful of your time, that don't want to tell cat stories and uh, take 30 minutes to give you the, the 38 seconds of nuggets that help you. So uh, you get to know those, tutorial cre content creators that um, give you something. I know that I'm going to have to wade through hours of crap to find those little nuggets, and hopefully those nuggets are worth wading through those hours of crap. And so I think my, my biggest challenge is uh, to, to whittle down the field so I don't waste time on looking at content creator X when content creators Y and Z are far more succinct, you know, a five-minute Friday kind of vibe. Uh, that's more what I care about. I have this very specific in-the-weeds needs of how to do stuff. So I, I just want those little nuggets. At the same time, uh, on the flip side, I do like the deep dives of, of going in and uh, replicating what somebody did in a 48-minute tutorial. 
And it'll take me five hours to do that because I'm going to have to keep stopping and rewatching and rewatching and rewatching. But there's tremendous value in not just saying, oh, I get what they're saying, but actually doing it to the nth degree because it's that last 5% that you don't want to spend the, the next hour figuring out this tiny little nuance, but it's that little nuance that makes you employable. Sounds like an editor. I live for minutia. Um, maybe it was. The question again, I got lost. Oh, uh, <laughs> where, where, how do, where how do we you learn? learn, learn, and composer specifically, but other yeah. things as well? Obviously not in college. Um, <laughs> I use many different editing systems, but just not Avid. Um, I, I actually lied as well to get my first job, and I said that I knew Avid, even though I didn't. And then I had the manual under my desk, and thankfully I was a night editor, or night AE, uh, so I would just research when I didn't know something and the other night AE was awesome So she I asked her questions and but I would say the bulk of what I learn is on the job And I always say I learn something new every day because you just are fiddle. I learned a lot of new stuff tonight pretty cool um, And then I also have a group chat with some editors that are all bonkers And uh, if I'm trying to do something I just text them and they're like we'll try this and one of them's very snarky and no help at all but uh, <laughs> The other ones are great, and so yeah, you just kind of learn as you go. And on uh, Drag Race, thankfully, I can be very creative, so I learn by accident sometimes, just trying to do something silly and ridiculous and teach myself something new. <laughs> awesome, Lauren. Um, I learned, I learned Avid on the job, and that's the first platform I've ever, I kind of ever have learned anything on. And it took me up until about five years ago to look, learn Premiere. Um, and now I know some resolve also. Uh, but I, I would copy other editors' work. So the way that I really learned was like I would stay a lot later and I would take sequences I really liked and then the scene work I was given and if it matched tonally, pretty much shot for shot, I would, I would match the like, I would match. So. I would, I would extend according to the footage, the, excuse me, the footage that I had, I would extend the scene or extend the shots, but it was basically shot for shot. And I did that for the first five years of my career. So I feel like it really taught me so much. It taught me so much more than anything else I could have ever learned. And then from there, it was like a study, a case study. So I'd watch a film or I'd watch a music video. I'd watch Instagram videos. And then it wasn't until like, 2021, I started watching YouTube videos to try to achieve a music video thing that I was trying to do, even if I never used it, just because I wanted to stay relevant. So that's my experience. Very cool. All right, the craft. How has the craft of editing evolved since you got into this crazy hide in this dark room business? Uh, do you find the software hardware easier to use? How have you seen workflow and tool sets improve over your time in the chair? And what parts of those are effects from outside of the post world? Um, okay, it's loaded. <laughs> it is, it's evolved quite a bit. I mean, one thing that's sort of crazy is having story producers on the Avid, so our string outs are much better. Um, we used to have paper string outs and then punch in a time code and punch in a time code and lay it all out. Um, 
Script sync is enormously helpful, especially with reality and all of the interviews that we have to go through. And if I'm looking for a specific sounding butt, I can just get it myself instead of asking a story producer to find me seven butts. Um, that sounds very weird, but it's, it's a real thing. Um, yeah, and then, you know, not sort of industry related was COVID changed everything. I work from home now. I never worked from home before and I have three young kids, so it actually is awesome to work from home. I don't have that like, am I a good mom or, you know, I see them too much now. So um, <laughs> I uh, <laughs> every once in a while. Um, but yeah, they've proved that they could and now they just keep doing it. And um, I love that. Finding the right butt. So I think having a good grasp of the big picture, not just what you do or want to do, but what the other steps in the process are and how what you do impacts those steps. I can't tell you how many times I, I see editors who suck. They are offline editors that just, they, they clearly have never online or finished or delivered a program because if they did, they wouldn't have turned it over that way to me. And so the, maybe they're, they're the bosses who hire them, maybe they know, maybe they don't, that if they're paying them X amount per day or per week, they're really paying them X plus because they're paying me hours to fix or, or massage what's been done very poorly. So to the extent that you can be a true professional and have things polished, a really awesome offline editor, Timothy Schultz, uh, he had the most awesome quote one time. We were having a debate about he was offlining something and he was spending what I viewed as kind of an inordinate amount of time massaging the temp green screen. That's gonna be redone by visual effects down the line anyways. And I was saying, well, why are you taking that much time doing that? And he said, because I don't wanna ask my producers or the network executives, whoever I'm sending this to, I don't wanna ask them if this is good, I wanna tell them it's good. And I really agree with that philosophy. Now you do have to straddle that line of, you know, is it, is it worth four hours to invest here when you have a lot of other fish to fry? You know, that, that's a balancing act that you have to strike. But the point is, if you do something that's kind of half-assed without uh, understanding the repercussions of how, the, the, the incompletedness of what you did and passing it along, how that impacts things, you will definitely ingratiate yourself to those who might hire you later if you are far more polished. Whoa. Yes. Wow. Um, I actually very much so agree with you. And to add on to that, like when I started, you know, I was like hauling, like this was 2005, I was hauling like drives and sticking them into the Unity and they were like 50 gigs. And, you know, we were digitizing and now we're ingesting. And, you know, some of this vocabulary, like some of the vocabulary changes are unnecessary, really. Um, but when I started, we had to do audio passes as assistant editors. I can't think of an assistant editor today that has to do an audio pass. I can't think of a cut today where like I ask an assistant editor to, you know, hey, do you want to stick around or do you want to do you want to do a cut? And then I can give you some tips. Like none of that exists anymore. Um, and maybe that's just my experience, but I haven't experienced the way that it was when I was coming up. All of that stuff was really foundational. I feel like when I was an assistant editor, that really like set the stage for me to become an editor. Um, like how to duck audio, like things that, things that you would never even really think about, especially if you're not a musical person. Maybe you have a great sense of storytelling, but your cadence is weird. I really believe that you can learn that stuff. Um, 
that's also really helped and informed me as an editor is like I play different instruments. And that was something that someone once told me that gave me a little bit of confidence to be an editor was like, if you can write a song, you can figure this out. And, you know, for such a good portion of my career too, it was like very musical. I was cutting things to music. And now I definitely like, I like to cut things dry and my music just like, you know, enhances the things. But yeah, we're, so much has changed. And then it was like big and bulky and like took forever to do things. And now it's like, there's so many options and it's so fast. It's so easy to get so sloppy and then to lose everything. So there I am. <laughs> I also agree with the whole understanding the entire process. Um, I mean, I've, I've sat in, on the couch behind you before. Um, and I've, I've sat in the, in the couch behind colorists and behind, behind offline editors. You're just hanging out there. You know, you're, you seem, you look like you're working, but you're actually, you know, kind of seeing what they do. Got to the point where sometimes I'll be watching a special off Netflix and I'm like, oh, I know who cut this. And you stop, you pop to the end, you watch the credits, like, yep, nailed it. Because you understand their cadence and, and how they're doing it. And then you have a complete understanding of that process stem to stern, like how it comes back from color. Because that's always important. All right. Um, obviously, um, a, a, avid, a, avid, yeah, they're a sponsor, they're a sponsor for our event this evening. Um, you all do use Media Composer. How has your relationship with Avid Products been, or been? Uh, I'll be here all night, sorry. Um, let's talk version. Are you using the latest and greatest? We saw a show of hands earlier. Um, and how did you transition from the classic to the new? Uh, how did your transition from classic to new work out for you? What were your worries? Um, were you brought kicking and screaming? And what of those worries were turned out to be boogeymen? I am on 2023.8.2, the latest, and um, I love it. So it, it did take a couple of, I'll say a couple of weeks until I became fully invested in, in, in the new layout. Um, there is a little bug in the current version, so I, I'm running on, on Mac uh, Ultra Studio, and. Uh, it's actually more stable to run it in classic view, which I have then configured to be like the new version. So it's a little bit weird, but uh, that's how much I like the new version. The dockability, the customizability is fantastic. Um, so uh, I would encourage you to be on the latest version, if only because uh, it allows you to avail yourself of the latest um, tools that w are not available to you on the older codecs, which do come into play more and more and more, um, but also uh, it, a lot of it goes to perception. A lot of my job as a finishing editor is to inspire confidence. And so to the extent that I put on the dog and pony show that, oh yeah, Randy will take care of it. He's got it. I have 100% confidence. And if I'm on a version that is the latest and greatest, that I think speaks to that, okay, he's, he's not an, an older guy, sadly, that is a concern of mine, uh, that uh, I'm still relevant, hip, current, uh, cutting edge, and being on the latest version, I think, speaks to that at least a little bit. I'm proud of Avid for all of these new features. I've used Avid, I've used every version of Avid from 2005 to today. So um, I had some real, I we used the new version of the Nexus and the, I don't think this current, but 23.8.1, I think it is. 
did not go very well on the show I was on, to be honest. Um, and I didn't get to, once some of those bugs had been figured out, we didn't get to use a lot of the features that they now offer, um, which, you know, I'm reading for Avid. Avid is the most stable, tried and true, like it feels like an adult, it feels like an adult platform against the others. Like Avid is just really clean. It's really stable. Um, I love that you have MXF files in a folder somewhere and then you get to, you get to alter your project. It's not like you're committed to the finder and then it's like a shell, I don't know. Um, so having said that, whenever I go back to 2018, cause you know, people prefer that. I, that's a deep, that's like a first language almost. Uh, and then when I go back to 20, uh, 2023, it takes a second. Cause it's so, the interface is different. So it just takes a little bit um, of adjustment, but I actually really love it. I really love it. So keep going, Avid. Awesome. Um, and when I lit up the latest version of Media Composer with the classic interface, the thing I said was, thank God. Um, because clap if you were born after 1992. <laughs> My first version of Avid was in 1992. So I have a lot of, there we go. That's a very polite way to put it. I can't learn new things. All right, um, speaking of new things um, and old things and current things, how do you see the post-production industry today? Um, what are your concerns over the next two years? Um, what software systems or software do you want to learn next? Start with Randy. So I know Avid like the back of my hand. I, I unashamedly will say I am very guru-esque on Avid. Um, however, there are some limitations, specifically as a finishing editor in the world of HDR. Avid doesn't have the, the rich, complete, full feature set that Resolve has. So I have been learning Resolve and will continue to learn Resolve. And the challenge is um, in, in deciding for my clients, uh, part of the reason they, reasons that they come to me is because they know I'm going to steer them right. They don't necessarily in this day and age care about the buzzword. Are you on Avid? Are you on Resolve? Are you on Premiere? That's not re really what drives them. What drives them is what's going to get my show on the air, on time, under budget, or at least not too over budget. Uh, and I'm gonna trust Randy to decide the best route. And sometimes that's all Avid, sometimes that's all Resolve, sometimes that's a little hybrid where I round trip into Resolve and back. Sometimes, I mean, it, 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 there is no one answer fits all solution. And so I think in the same way that I was advocating for knowing the big picture, you don't necessarily have to be a Resolve or a Premier expert, but if you want to be as employable as possible, you at least want to be able to talk the language of whoever you're talking with. And so if you can throw out the occasional buzzword that actually is meaningful as it relates to an avid resolve round trip workflow uh, coming back again, at least you sound knowledgeable. Okay, you're, again, you're, in, you're playing the dog and pony show, you're inspiring trust. And uh, so I, I encourage you to learn those systems not necessarily, there's a danger in spreading yourself too thin. You only have so much time, so much bandwidth to be able to learn something. So if I was going to learn how to edit something today, I would still learn Avid because that is by far the greatest offline 
um, cutting tool. Uh, and online, uh, except for the HDR angle, uh, is, is still awfully robust. Um, but I would encourage you to invest enough time in those other platforms so at least you're aware of their capabilities, of why you might choose to do something in there versus here, things of that nature. Awesome. Laura? Um, the state of post right now, I think, so it's interesting. It's like before the strikes, there was a budget cut. And then right before that, we have ChatGPT. And all of these things are so layered um, and moving super, super fast. Having have had to learn how to round trip, how to do everything myself, I see this industry going in more of that direction where it's, a, you know, it's good and it's bad. It's like, as an editor, I know that already I'm going to be able to score, color, make deliverables, everything myself. This is as an independent person, like whether I'm also a union editor, so there's limitations to what I can do within a union show per se. Um, but I know that like for all the non-union shows or anything independent that I will be able to do that. And I should be able to do that. I want to be able to do that. So I think, um, but I think we have to, I think we have to, to survive. So it's really like a matter of, it's kind of cool because as an editor, we do have a lot of control. Um, just don't tell a director that. Um, but actually, if we're able to do all of that, like I feel pretty satisfied. And if it, but like at what cost, I'm not quite sure, but I do think it's going in that direction. Michael, what do you think? State of the industry? Uh, I'm going to stick with Avid. Um, I love it. I worked on it for years and years. I'm going to learn all this newfangled stuff. Um, with reality, things are kind of different. I've always um, cut, scored, sound effects, all of that um, is on me. And then it just goes to a online editor after that. Um, so yeah, knowing all the ins and outs of Avid, I think is, is really important for an offline editor. Um, and knowing some of those fun effects and silly things that you can do uh, within Avid to surprise people, make people laugh, especially, um, I think is really great. But as far as learning something new, I have three kids and a side job, so I don't think I'm going to be learning anything new very soon. Side hustles are always fun. Um, so this morning and into part of the afternoon, I was over at an eSports Summit in Studio City this morning. Um, redundancy department, it's kicked in. Uh, the thing that was interesting, they were talking about all these video games and all these kids doing all this cool stuff. The one thing I did not hear out of that entire time I was there were the words artificial intelligence. Really strange. So, with that, what? Uh, it, it might be. Um, so, what do you think is going to be different about storytelling as an editor in two years or so? Are robots going to be telling the stories or are we just going to be telling stories about robots? Um, is AI going to stop at metadata tasks? What are your thoughts on the, the robot revolution? A little bit, but at the same time, I think that there is such a huge component to what we do that AI could never do. Um, 
obviously the the script sync thing is incredible but as i was watching that i was thinking you know my loggers when they're logging an interview they will put um laughs or is crying or things like that and i i didn't ask but i don't know if it can do that um it would be great if it could but that's just one of those things that a, a person has to give it which thankfully maybe loggers aren't out of a job just yet um but I don't know that editors will ever have to worry about AI taking our jobs. I certainly hope not. It's very scary. The The only fear is uh, people above editors not noticing what is so much better about the human touch. Um, but I still think storytelling will always be storytelling. Can you make someone laugh? Can you make someone cry? I don't know that computers can do that just yet. I don't think they can. Emotional sentiment detection does exist today in AI. It can pull that out. Um, speaking of robots, Randy, how you doing? <laughs> so my take on it is that uh, when fluid motion, Avid came out with fluid motion to be able to create synthetic frames to have the super slow-mo, wow, what an awesome storytelling technique to, to impart emotion into something that you couldn't before because it would be very steppy and stuttery and would take you out of the moment. That's not AI, but it's kind of the same thing. So. I view AI as a set of tools that are either here or are coming that will allow you to tell a story in a better way. I don't think it's gonna replace you, it's just gonna give you more arrows in your quiver that you can use to tell your story more effectively. So I, I am, am actively uh, learning AI tools so that I can be better armed to use them. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, I. I've been working with AI a lot. Um, I, I actually personally love it. I get to go down the rabbit hole and like actually have somebody tell me something back, give me feedback. I've had it write things for me that are so incorrect, but like we correct it and I spend, I spend hours doing it and I'm happy to do it. I would have spent hours hitting, you know, the same amount of hours literally butting my head up against a wall. Um, but like my will to do something or to tell a story is still that strong. So now I just can. Um, and I don't, I know it's not perfect, so I don't really care. And that's the thing is like, do you, like, are you an artist and do you care? You know, like, do you still want to be an artist anyway? Like, and do you still want to get paid to do your art? Cause you still can, you know, it's just, it's, is it a privilege or is it a right? And I think that that's kind of, another, it's not like the crux of everything, but it's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Um, I want to get paid to do it. So I just want to like figure it all out. But I don't think it's all going to, I don't need it. If it's going to do everything for me, fine, let that day come. But I don't, it doesn't like move me forward personally to think like that. It moves me forward to think like, oh, these are cool tools. I think one of the things to take off of that is, hey, I'll let AI go and hallucinate what it thinks. And now I have a different viewpoint to look at that I wouldn't necessarily have thought of, or I could just completely dismiss it. But it's something else to, it's another arrow for the quiver. Same way that I started uh, editing, I was editing on three quarter inch. And then you would, if I wanted to make a change to it that rippled it. Oh gosh, that's a big time commitment. Do I really want to explore this creative angle? Nah, it takes too long. Yeah. Avid comes along and, oh, let me try that. No, it didn't work. Okay, cool, no harm, no foul. AI is the same way. I think it just opens up fast ways of pursuing creative angles that may or may not pay off, but because the 
investment of time is so minimal that, yeah, why not? Roll the dice, give it a shot. Yeah, and if you're good at what you do and you're a good storyteller, like, all of that matters, you know? Like, it doesn't get rid of that. It hasn't yet, and I can't see a day when it really will because human error is part of being human, so. Yeah, and things can also appear to be too perfect. Like, that. no, this has no, this doesn't have the human touch. Um, so one last question before we go to our audience who will be walking up to the microphone. We're not doing what we did before. Um, this is a community of people. So in as you were coming up and as you're going on before, and you kind of hinted some of this, Michael, what types of community have helped you in becoming the post-production professional you are today? Michael, we'll start with you. Um nice people. <laughs> I think editors, even though we're cave people, we're actually relatively um, nice to each other. And uh, I've never met an editor that was nasty answering a question or, um, you know, that wasn't wasn't willing to help me grow as an editor. I feel like there just isn't that sort of competition spirit. I've helped several editor. One thing to note is that in reality, if you want to be an editor, don't be an AE because all you're doing is um, technical stuff. So if you want to be an editor, be a script supervisor, uh, uh, sorry, a, a story producer. Um, but I've I've helped a couple story producers go from story producing to editing, and I don't feel, you know, af afraid of that. I don't feel like they're going to take my job one day. Um, I'm just very good, but uh, <laughs> but they are too, and I think that there's just plenty of work out there, and so use your fellow editors as your community and let them lift you up. And when you need a job, send out that mass email and it works. Lauren, what do you think community? Uh, like I've totally relied on other editors entirely. I mean, I went to the school of like my professors were other editors. And so, you know, to Michael's point, like editors are nice and generative people. And the second that I ever feel competitive, I put my ego at the door because it's like, I should absolutely give everybody the information that I have because why the hell not? There's, there is enough. Like we all need to work. We all need to do what we want to do and we all need to get better. And uh, that's how I did. So pay for But if you want specific phone numbers, I can give those to you later. I would say that uh, the, uh... I'll give you Randy's. <laughs> the, the number one way I think maybe is, is by you giving. So I've always been very mentor oriented. I, I like that role, or at least hopefully people perceive me in that role and I'm not too cocky about it. Uh, but I, I, I like giving, giving my knowledge away. And I think that people, people catch, catch on to that. And when you give, they give. And uh, people tend not to be proprietary with their knowledge when you're not proprietary with your knowledge. So I encourage you to share freely and, and to fall on your sword, your, your sword of ignorance. When you don't know something, don't, I mean, although I'm a fake it till you make it guy, you know, uh, don't be afraid to say, I have no idea what to do here. Can, can you help a brother out? And uh, people will rush into to help a brother out. Yeah. That's been my experience. And I've been running communities since the turn of the century for editorial, so mailing lists and Facebook groups and that sort of stuff. And, um, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there with social media. Like there was the post chat that was all over Twitter for a while, and I'm not sure if it's kind of migrated off after all of the changes there. 
but there is community out there that can be found online and you can get lots of good information. Um, you just have to sometimes wade through a little bit of snark. Um, so, cause you know, the, I saw a question that popped up a, a number of weeks ago. Someone said, oh, I got this error that says bad magic. And everybody's popping up with all these Harry Potter references. And guess who knows exactly what that means? Because I've been around forever. Um, so I was able to say, yeah, your disc header and your footer don't match. It's an ancient Mac error that's been brought forward into Avid. Still here. And then people are like, oh, my God, someone actually knew. Um, you'll find the answers out there. You just have to search for them. Perfect. Uh, all right. Thanks for a panel for our enthusiasm. So you down with us tonight? And we will be um, definitely around uh, after the after the meeting. And uh, please see our our sponsors, Periphery and, and Abbott. Um, and you know you're in inside of Keycode Media, so we see you. Um, thanks everybody for attending tonight, and uh, safe travels on your way home. Thanks for watching broadcast to post. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast to receive future episodes. Follow Keycode Media on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram to receive news on additional AV broadcast and post-production technology content. See you next time, folks.